0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You know, I have to tell you one of the funniest stories that ever happened to a couple that was at such a low point, and literally, by taking a little nugget, they were able to turn their marriage around. I have this couple, they come, they sit down, and the man says, you know, in my house, Everyone is fighting. Everyone is fighting. There's yelling, there's screaming. Everyone is fighting. We pack up the car, we're going up to the mountains, and it's pandemonium. They're yelling, they're screaming. I'm screaming at my wife, my wife is screaming at me. Everyone's screaming. Comes to Pesach, we're we're preparing for Pesach, and the place is just yelling. Everyone is always yelling in my house. He's like, it's driving me crazy, and his wife is like, yeah, it's driving me crazy, and everyone is—they're they're driving everyone's fighting and yelling, and they're—they're just, they're just fighting with each other. Now, Hashem comes to Moshe, and He tells Moshe, ata titzave es Israel, the elecha shem Command Klal Command them." that they should go ahead and take pure olive oil, and they should donate it to the Mishkan. Now, Klai were very benevolent people, and they had given a lot of gold, a lot of silver, a lot of very precious stones, and over here, Hashem tells Moshe, command them, very forceful commandment, tetzave, you, should, you should command them strongly, that they should give, Olive oil for the Malachas HaMishkan. Now, something that bothers me, I don't understand. They were nice people. But aside for that, there's a concept that a home has a certain atmosphere. a A certain something in the ear that we have decisions. Pesach can either be Music blaring, 2 o'clock in the morning, it's so much fun. This is our HaVada, this is what we're doing, it's so exciting. The kids sit down on Erev Pesach and they're crushing up to make Chareises and Karpas and Marar. It's so exciting. Or, like this family, it could just be pandemonium. Everyone's yelling, everyone's screaming. My question is, why does Hashem come to Moshe and say to him, V'yata titzave? Oh, go command them. Go forcefully get up and bang on the bima and say, you have to give olive oil. Whoa. Why does Misha have to poison the well? Why does he have to poison the atmosphere? And think about it. Imagine a rub gets up in the shul. And he says, I have a family. They're here from Israel and they need money. And if you don't give money, I'm going to come after you. Everyone would be like, whoa. Did you hear the rabbi's speech? They would be shocked. What is this Lashen Vyata Go after them. So I turned to this couple that was sitting there, and I was inclined to think that it was the man, and I said to the man, I want to give you a little homework. Your job for the next month is you are not allowed to raise your voice. You're not allowed to scream. You're not allowed to say negative things to your wife or about your wife. You have to focus on the positive and you have to try to turn that around and actually try to bring a certain atmosphere into the home. Put on music, try to embrace the things that you have to do. And in a month from now, I want you to follow up with me and tell me how it's going. So I get an email a month later, and the guy says, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. We're not fighting. We're not screaming. Everyone's doing great. Let's just, let's just think about the story. <laughs> Everyone was fighting. Everyone was screaming, and as soon as he stopped fighting and screaming, everyone wasn't screaming anymore. Everyone wasn't fighting anymore. And it's a funny thing, because so often that's what happens. You start you start screaming, and then your spouse starts screaming, and then she's screaming, and you're screaming, and the kids are going bananas, and they're crying, and you're like, oh, this house is upside down. Yeah, because you decided to poison the well. So you poison the well, and that's what happens. So... When I told this guy, maybe we could just back off a little bit and just stay calm for a month. And he sent me this long email like, wow, my whole marriage changed. And everyone is doing great and wonderful. Because he used this one nugget to just say, hey, I am poisoning the well. Let me stop doing that. And all of a sudden, nobody's screaming. Nobody's yelling. And back to Moshe, the question is, why does Hashem tell Moshe, poison the well? You start screaming at people, you better give olive oil, then they're going to get upset, they're going to come home, oh, I'm so stressed, I have to give things. Why can't we do this with Simcha? Why can't we have the Levim, you know, playing music, everyone should go out and give olive oil, it'll be so exciting, so much fun. Why couldn't they do it that way? Why did it have to be with this with this sevoy like, commandment, you know, like, demand it from them? Why could? Why couldn't we just do this the easy way? Now, I have another question there. Is that, you know, you teach your children that when somebody's yelling, if somebody's screaming, somebody's demanding things, chances are something is wrong, right? S- somebody's very upset, chances are something might be bothering them, something might be going on underneath the surface. So, what was going on underneath Malaysia's surface? Or what was going on underneath Hashem's surface? Meaning, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the most unbelievable story. There's there's this fourteen year old kid, true story, fourteen year old ninth grader, and he's in yeshiva. And there's this bully who's just beating up the whole class. And they go to the principal and they say to the principal, Hey, this kid is he's going crazy. He's fighting and punching and pushing and everything's going crazy. So the principal says, You know what? This kid is an achzar. He's a terrible child, and everyone who who he picks on has the license to punch him and fight back with him. And I will not punish you if you are doing this in self-defense. So day one comes, he goes over on the playground and he pushes a kid. And the kid turns around and just just takes a swing at him. And the bully goes crying to the principal and the principal says, yeah, you're a bully, I'm not punishing the kid. And the next day he's like, all right, goes after another kid. And the kid turns around and just slugs him. And every day everyone is just beating up this child. So he learns who could he fight with and who he can't fight with. So this 14-year-old boy, who I know, he's walking, minding his own business, and this bully comes over and starts bothering him. He pushes him, he's tripping him, he's fighting with him, and the 14-year-old just doesn't do anything. And every day, day after day, he is getting picked on. He's getting bullied in school. So he goes over to the principal, and the principal keeps telling him, this boy is an achsar, he's a terrible child. And when an achsar fights with you, the only language bullies understand is the fist. And you got to go after him, and you have to fight with him, and then he'll back off of you, just like he backed off the other kids in in your class. So this 14-year-old, he turns to the principal, and he says, are you sure that this boy, are you sure that he's an achsar? So the principal says, I understand, of course, Look, what are you talking about? So he says, maybe he's not an achsar, maybe he's a navach. So the principal's like, "What? Like, what are you trying to say?" He's like, "Well, I don't know. Did, like, why? Do, why would a child act like this? Like, did, did you think maybe you should look into like his family? Maybe he has things going on at home? Like, why would a child feel like he has to come to school and beat up other children?" So the principal's like, "Wow, i never heard of such a thing." You know what? I'm gonna look into that. So the principal goes, and he looks into it, and he calls a meeting. And the meeting, he has this 14-year-old boy, and he calls in his father, who's a fantastic father, and he says to him, I have to tell you something. In my life, I never learned such a powerful lesson from a student. He says, I, I, I looked into the home. The parents are fighting. There's there's terrible things going on at home. They're probably going to get divorced. It's a horrible home situation. It's really terrible. And this boy, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he really is. He's a Nebuchadnezzar. He's not an achzor. It's terrible. And he says, I really have to learn to look at people different. I, I feel terrible as a as as a as a, a mechanach. I was telling everyone, this boy's an achzor. He's not an achzor. He's a nebuch. Something is going on underneath that I was not aware of. That's the rule. When things are going on that are out of the ordinary, something is happening underneath that we have to be aware of. And my question is, what was going on here that Hashem says to Moshe, "Go demand it, go command them that they have to give olive oil"? Whoa, slow up! They gave gold, they gave silver, they gave rubies, they gave everything you asked for. Now you have to demand it. You're nervous. You're not going to have olive oil. Like, is there some shortage? Some shortage of olive oil that people are not going to be giving? Like, what's going on here that's bothering you? And says the arachai HaKadosh. He says, <laughs> you're reading the story wrong. He says, I'll tell you. He says, the word Tetzaveh does not mean that you should command and demand and fly off the handle and poison the well and do all these things that you're talking about. He says, no, that's not what we're talking about here. V'yata Tetzaveh means to be mizar as them. Why do you have to be mizar as them? Why do you have to tell them that they should do things with, like, alacrity. They should be excited to do it. He says, I'll tell you why. Because the gold and the silver and most of the things that were donated, when they were donated, you donate it once, and that was it. However, says the Arachayim HaKadosh, when it came to the oil, the oil was constantly in need of being replenished. And therefore, when Moshe would get up the first day and he'd say, I need you to give oil everyone will jump up and they'll give oil. But then when he comes to you the second day, you'll say, hey, you just were here yesterday. And then the third day, and then the fourth day, and then the 10th year, and the 20th year. And every year that mice is going to come, you're going to say, hey, hello. <laughs> like, you, okay, fine, here you go. Here's a dollar. It's like the guy comes to you over and showing, he's like, could I have money? You're like, okay, here's a dollar. Fine, I'll give it to you. Says Hashem, viata tizave. That's not a way to do things. Viata tizave. Just like you're doing it today, you're so excited. In ten years, in twenty years, and in a hundred years, I want you doing it with the same alacrity. That lesson is just—it gives you chills. Because there's three factors here which we have to focus on. Number one is that in a marriage, don't be the guy who's poisoning the well. Don't be the one who's poisoning the air, the atmosphere. Don't be the one to suck the life out of your family. Make it fun. Make it exciting. Stop outside your door before you walk in. Jump up and down and say, let's do this. Make it fun and make things positive. The second thing is when you notice something is off, address it. MarriagePro.co We spent 24 classes in the premium section, in the video series, understanding the inner workings of what goes on in people's lives, in people's hearts, in people's emotions, and how it develops and how two people, in a deep way, become one. But when you could recognize something's off, so then you say, wait a minute, she's upset. Why? Why is she upset? Let's focus on that for a minute. And the third level is that your marriage, when you're engaged, you have a girl, the boy calls her up two days after they get engaged, two days after the VART, and he's like, Could I pick you up? And she's like, It's one o'clock in the morning. She's like, Sure, give me 10 minutes. She's doing her makeup. She's like, Mom, I'll be out a few minutes. Perfume. She's like, So excited. She runs out the door. She's like, Hi, how are you? I was just sitting around. Come fast forward a year, fast forward five years, ten years. The husband's like, hey honey, should we have like date night? Should we go out to the city? She's like, oh, I'm not interested. Come on. I'd rather go with my friends. Like, you're bothering me. You're just driving me crazy. That is not how to build a marriage. A marriage is built that you keep that initial zresus, that initial excitement. It's going, it's rocking, it's building. Just like when she called you and said, hey, let's head out to the town. When you were engaged, you were like, I'm so excited. Don't lose that. Don't lose that. 10 years later, 20 years later, date your wife, take her out, build things up, make it fresh and exciting. And if you could do that, then your marriage is going to grow and grow and grow. And after a while, you're going to realize that I took a little something, a kernel, a nugget. I brought it into my home and it completely transformed the way that we relate to each other. And I took my marriage from one level and I made it so much deeper and so much better and it was so easy. The work is there but when I know the tools that I need to bring my marriage from this point to this point then all of a sudden beyond my wildest dreams I'm going to see this thing grow and develop and I'm going to have myself to thank for doing what was right for me and for my family.